welcome everybody to a special 13.1 update. There's a couple of insights that I wanted to expound upon that I thought about over the course of the last few days. I called Carol in a panic in the middle of the day after getting only like two and a half hours of sleep. And I thought that maybe it'd be a good idea to actually record in episode 13.1. What did you think of what I was proposing in the state that I was in? <laughs> when you texted me and said something alarming, I, I became alarmed. I wasn't sure. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, what happened? It was the middle of the day. It was the middle of the day. Carol, call me now. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, what happened? We've been hacked. But, oh my uh, God. <sighs> Like I mentioned to you, we have, what, three episodes left. Yeah. We've got to wrap this thing up, and it needs to be wrapped up with a bow by episode 16. We've been on the Savior kick for a while. It's going to take some pretty compelling storyline to make Negan redeemable enough that it is convincing to the audience why he should live. In my mind, he's not dying. He's going to live on. The question is, though, how do you... Yeah, how do you wrap it up to, to where... It's convincing that it's like, okay, he is redeemable. We saw in Carl's Utopia that he sees Negan in the garden, tending to the crops, you know? Helping everybody out, right. Very jarring vision. I don't think it'll ever come to that point, but what's going to make him special versus the governor versus Terminus versus Claimers? Right, and since we only have three episodes to go, Norman Reedus is even saying that the end of the season should leave viewers satisfied but somehow i'm i'm really doubting it well i the, i originally came to this theory because of something that i wanted to bring up on episode 11 and that was how negan has a really good knack of figuring out people even like father gabriel instantly trying to figure out how useful they can be how they can be reutilized in the confines of the sanctuary his philosophy is to kind of see people as resources what we discover throughout this season as opposed to last season is that he tries to avoid killing as much as possible he used killing as an example when mm -hmm. he needs to even when he does have to kill people he'll figure out a way psychologically or neurotically to blame it on the people who like oh it's all your fault that this person died it's not i'm just the messenger of yeah, this of this bat putting all these pieces together he has a really hard time with doctors first of all i noticed that with the first doctor that they had at the sanctuary he caught him in a quote-unquote lie that dwight planted and into the oven the the doctor went not just a branding to the face he just went straight into the oven which mm -hmm. is very uncharacteristic of him mm -hmm. the second thing was the other brother dr carson mm -hmm. uh, he automatically assumed that he was the one who sprung father gabriel so wrong about that and just in general he, he just has a really hard time with doctors it seems with everybody else he seems to be reutilizing them fine with his people with the underlings with the lieutenants even with rick he seems to kind of in some ways get under his skin a little try to mm -hmm. get him to bend the knee that sort of thing mm -hmm. but doctors he just can't hack it i started to figure out that maybe it was something more than just that that in an attempt to try to figure out how to well to clean up this season basically to wrap it up in a bow like you said it came to me maybe we got so stuck on carl's vision of the future maybe we got so stuck on the idea of forgiveness and redemption that we didn't look at something that may have to do with none of these things you tie the idea of people being a resource of Negan's hate for doctors, and suddenly realize that what would happen right now if Negan disappeared? Let's say even that Rick 
killed him all of a sudden, or something killed him all of a sudden, or he got bit by a walker and he turned. What would happen to the sanctuary? I want to say that from my recollection of the comics, once it's been established that Negan is contained, everybody pretty much stands down because he was the glue that held everything together. The Ric Flair, to be the man, you got to beat the man. So. Oh, okay. So in the comic, basically, they contain him in some fashion. He does not die, but he is definitely disabled and effectively ends the war. Right. Based on the trajectory of the show, though, you have a situation where Simon is taking control. And not mm-hmm. only that, he is ginning up the rest of the savior soldiers. And you're in a situation where he's not going to stop until somebody stops him. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, I... Th- the soldiers themselves would be much harder to contain. These are people that have been handpicked by the lieutenants, by Negan himself, to do what they need to do. Mm-hmm. You remember at the chemical plant, mm-hmm. how utterly ruthless they were to even one another, how Carol was using one of them as a human shield, and they yeah, just and they were like, they were like, care. sorry, light them up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> was, yeah. Yeah. And, and even going on Simon's orders about throwing the rest of the hostage saviors under the bus, mm-hmm. and these are people that can't be really reasoned with, and there are a yeah. lot of them. Yes. So the workers, let's say, in the sanctuary, you know, they're more pliable. We, we see there's a, maybe a vein of resistance. You have to remember another thing is that a lot of these people are really stuck on Negan as a leader. Mm-hmm. And there's a possibility to me, whether soldier or worker, that there's going to be a problem if Negan is captured. There's going to be a little bit of chaos, actually a lot of chaos. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, the only way I could reconcile this is with the possibility of Negan dying. That to me is kind of a perfect medium to get Negan to actually either give up, to either reveal that he's dying, to plead with Rick to, le- to you know, leave him in place, and then maybe they could work out some sort of armistice or something. So walk us back a little bit. As we were reviewing the last episode, and we were trying to figure out how it would be possible for Rick, for Maggie, to stop, given the fact that Negan actually himself brutally murdered Abraham and Glenn, is responsible for so many deaths. But was he really responsible for so many deaths? I mean, this is the thing that I'm kind of torn with. The impact of killing Glenn and Abraham is significant. Right. And maybe I'm one of those people that's fooled by Negan's charms. I don't know. But but for me, I'm I'm just saying, before they encountered Negan, Rick was super, super cocky. Aggressive. And and hyper aggressive. And they went into that satellite station and basically slaughtered every savior in there. Completely unprovoked. And yes, inevitably, the saviors were going to find Alexandria. Inevitably, they were going to find Rick and and his team. So I get it. You know what? I guess the writers have been effective on me. Right. Because, because I am slightly con- conflicted. Negan and crew basically retaliated. But even then, their retaliation really kind of paled in comparison to what Rick did. Because it's like he didn't go and say, I'm going to Alexandria and I'm going to kill all these people because you went over here and you killed all of my people. Nope. He killed two people. And in reality, he might have just killed Abraham. But then Daryl popped off. Then he killed Glenn also. Right. When I look at Negan, this is a really calculated individual who makes a lot of decisions, very much keeping the bigger picture in mind. Right. And not necessarily being rash with his decision making because he wants to utilize these resources. Right. He wants to kind of get on top of them. He'd rather basically get on top of the problem and basically say, I'm going to leverage this in my benefit rather than try to eliminate it altogether. Right. Right. Negan, in that moment, was able to step away from the situation 
and say, I'm going to take these raw ingredients like shit and I'm going to make a shit cake, basically. Right. He tries to make something beautiful out of a bad situation. Yes. Something useful. I don't know if it's a matter of Negan being a sympathetic character, but I do think that it's kind of like the way Negan sees Carl. Mm -hmm. What he saw in Carl was the ability to be malleable, to be less Mm -hmm. reactive, Mm -hmm. to, to get it. A kid in this world that is so capable... Mm-hmm. that is able to stop for a second and hear him out. Yeah. It's rare to see people that just are able to stop for a minute and not only see the situation, but to be able to to get on top of it. I think that's the difference, though. His whole ability to do that hinges on a single philosophy, no matter what. And the only problem with that philosophy is that it's in service of him. It's in service of, well, I mean, it's like you were saying last week. There's the concubines. There's mm-hmm. burning the faces of the ex-husbands or boyfriends of those concubines, which, mm-hmm. by the way, wasn't just white. We saw that other savior in one right. of the, epi- the earlier episodes mm-hmm. that had a burnt face, just in, a, in a, one of those frames. Yeah, That's all fine and good that he can get on top of this and he takes concubines as like almost like a, an indulgence or whatever it is. Exactly. In service. It's, it's, it is all in, at, in the, at the end of the day in service of him. Yes. And there is a certain irreconcilable difference there. I mean, Mm -hmm. you find this out later on, obviously, but as those two seasons kind of progress. At the end of the day, it's not even just Rick's people that he has to contend with, although they are probably the most difficult people that Negan has to contend with. And, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe that was probably Negan's biggest mistake was... Because of his philosophy, he, he could have wiped out these people and maybe not have had another kind of problem like that again. But he really, really underestimated them. You know, mm-hmm. First of all, he underestimated them, and it's not kind of not his fault. Like, oh, these people are so cowardly, they, they'll go in, in the middle of the night and kill all these people. But they're probably not survivors. They're probably just people that thought they can get out from under me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like what even Simon was saying last week. Oh, they're used to running away. You know, they got this impression of them from what they did right from the beginning mm-hmm. and how they were able to pin them down time and time again, trying to get them to bend the knee, continually trying to get on top of them to, to yield. And then they mm-hmm. did for a little while. I think they continually underestimate them and these people are not going to stop. Simon yeah. finally gets it. <laughs> Negan does it. Yes. At the end of the day, it really does come down to what we find out throughout the season. And that's because of Negan's philosophy, Mm -hmm. because it all hinges on him, because he's the only one who really gets it, really appreciates it, and really lives by it. Everybody else is in service of Negan. Everyone calls themselves Negan, but they're not Negan. They just do what he says. Mm -hmm. And we see this in one of the episodes when the power starts going out in the sanctuary and they're all ostracized from the rest of the world things start to break down and with negan gone out of the picture for a second they go down really fast within a couple of hours mm-hmm. that's when the wheel started turning with our last episode with simon being in charge really quickly with negan right out of the picture just from the out of the bat simon takes over and he's able to really betray negan yeah and the soldiers just follow him you know they're into it yeah there's just no, no allegiance and all the while you have all the sanctuary people who God knows what they're doing right now, what they're feeling. Right. So the bottom line is that with Simon betraying him, with Dwight being a double agent, with Gavin being dead, you know, all these top people that are really the enforcers, and Regina just kind of being a an enforcer person. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what she brings to the table, but we do know that she, w- w- when Negan was gone, she just went ahead and, and shot one of the worker people and just right off the bat, just because just yeah. they pissed her off. That's all. Just because, yeah. And that's which is not what Negan would want. 
No. So you have all these people that the second Negan is away, don't get what he really wants, don't really see people as a resource. That really got got me starting to think that what if something did happen to Negan and what would happen? Let's say Rick mm-hmm. got him. You know, mm-hmm. How quick? How quickly would the saviors eat themselves? That's what really, mm. really got me thinking. The only thing that could get him to yield was the possibility of him dying, not having like a fatal wound or something, but some sort of illness that makes him start to think, okay, Simon betrayed me. I was away from them for a couple of hours with Gabriel in the shed. This whole place started falling apart. And I noticed it right away when I got in. I had to straighten that shit out. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that Negan cares about more than his own philosophy is saving people. Mm -hmm. At its ultimate core, it's not just about the philosophy. It's not just his whole compulsion of trying to put people in the boxes and reutilizing them. It's really just about saving people at the Mm -hmm. end of the day. Yeah. And I think he mentioned it to Sasha, like that's what this was always supposed to be about. And that's the thing. If it is all about saving people, it's got to get to the point where he's basically walking dead. Mm. He's realizing that there's a shelf life to him. Mm Mm-hmm. And that he could expire at any moment. And if he does, there is no handoff. It's all going to go to shit because he's seen it go to shit a couple of times already. And it was Mm -hmm. critical. And had he not stepped in, it would have completely fallen apart. What was so beautiful about that realization is how distracted we all were with Carl's vision of the future. Because it immediately gave us a vision of, of the possibility of him being a sympathetic character with... I'm not saying none of the redeeming qualities he currently has, but I will say that there's a lot on the table that is almost unforgivable. Right. And to get to the point where they trust him enough and and want him around enough to be in the garden. Hard sell. Side by side. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Holding Judith. Hello. What? Again? Hard sell. Yeah. It's such a hard sell. But the comics fans are all about it because it was in the comic. But you know what? The thing is, the comic fans... Comic fans. I got something to tell you, comics fans. Honestly, comic fans need to calm down. In the Academy Awards, there's an award for Best Adapted Screenplay. And there's a reason why there's an award for Best Adapted Screenplay. You can't necessarily take something that's in a certain medium and basically just copy it verbatim in another medium and say, like, it has to be like this because... That's how they did it here. Okay, that's how they did it there because it's that medium and it works or it's more forgiving, but it's not necessarily the same on TV and it doesn't translate the same way. Well, especially with the changes too. Well, there's a particular storyline with Sherry, Dwight's wife. And I'm not going to go into it, but I never understood that whatsoever because to me, I just had a lot of questions like, okay, how did we get here? It just didn't make any sense. And the comic never really delves into it, but you just kind of accept it and move on. On the show, absolutely not. Seems like, impossible. It, just, it seems impossible. I'm like, you're going to have to rework some stuff in order to make this believable because right now it's so not believable. Right. And also, hasn't the show diverged in ways here and there where something's just become that much more hard to adapt or to like fit into that comics narrative box? Yeah. I mean, I think that there have been certain things that they've kind of put off on doing or given up on who knows right. i don't know what the boundaries and limits are to be honest with you i'm like i, I mean some things are seems to be okay but then other things aren't i listen to various podcasts and there are some that practically lose their mind with stuff okay yes it's not the way it is in in the, in the comic and you know what if it was verbatim the way it was in the comic because i'll tell you something the season when they first introduced the saviors Mm -hmm. They did a lot of extended episodes. 
like 90 minutes, 70 minutes. And they have like a 90 minute episode of where Negan and the Saviors come to Alexandria to collect their first payment or whatever. Right, right. The burning of the mattresses, I think, was in the same visit, was it? Yep, that was the one. First of all, it didn't need to be 90 minutes. Secondly, a lot of it was verbatim from the comic, mm-hmm. but okay. it doesn't necessarily translate the same way to screen. A lot of people, including myself, felt that a lot of the lines were a little hokey or a little cheesy or a little bit much, but are they in the comic? Yeah, but it works in a comic. It doesn't necessarily work with a live human being on a screen. I look at the comics as like the source material, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to adhere to it, i.e. Carl, you know? (laughs) Like Carl is still very much alive in the comics and he's clearly not anymore. Right, right. That's kind of my point though. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't look at the comic as gospel, and I definitely don't because I don't read it, Mm -hmm. I know that it exists and I know that there's a sizable portion of people that know about it. And knowing that it's there is a distraction. What I enjoy is the possibility of us being so distracted even in the smallest amount by Mm -hmm. Carl's vision of the future and I'll have to admit I I think anybody would want to buy into that anybody at this rate especially with the fatigue that I don't know if it's fatigue necessarily but it's it's just so heavy this whole savior arc that of course we'd buy into it because we we kind of want this to be over we kind of want everybody suffering to end in a sort of way and they're really abusing the game theory (laughs) You know, yeah. the slot, you know, of slot machines and how like the, the expectation of a reward is more satisfying to human beings than the actual reward. So you, you dangle like the prize in front of them, like Carl's vision of the future. And then yeah. you add the fact that that vision sort of was in the comic. Mm hmm. It's, it keeps people's eyes looking in a certain direction when meanwhile, we could be looking in a completely different direction. But I love that because then it, it leaves us room to be surprised. It leaves us room, in our case, to tie things up in a bow in a more realistic, realistic way. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why I thought of the Negan is dying theory is because it's the only situation that actually makes sense to me because every time Rick and crew no matter what approach they take, whether it's all-out brute force war, about strategy, it's like they're trying to kill a ghost. You know, they're trying to kill somebody that can't be killed. Do you remember? It's like something that he said, uh, that Negan said when he confronted Rick at Alexandria while the bombs were going off, is that he can't be. You know, I just don't die easily. And it's something I mentioned last episode, too. And then you said, and then, <laughs> and then last last week or the week before, is I'm a, I'm a goddamn cat. You know, it's, yeah. it's this idea. And say what you will, it's true. He's an implacable foe. He gets away with all these lines. He has mm-hmm. all the bravado, but the truth is is that he's succeeded and we're trying to find his weakness and the only weakness i can think of is his own philosophy the only way you can get out from underneath him and and pin him like a wrestler is by using his philosophy against him and that's what really got me thinking about what would be the one thing that would get him to not violate his own philosophy but basically wrestle him enough to put his philosophy to the side because at the end of the day, the philosophy rests on a core principle. And the core principle is that people are a resource. And if people are a resource and he doesn't really want them to die, at some point, if he is dying, he has to really settle his affairs. The only people that I think he can trust to settle his affairs is Rick because they are capable. They may not have bested him, but they've certainly resisted him. And if he could make a deal with the people that have resisted him, then I think he could square that circle in a way. It's the only thing that I can think of. And with all the changes the show has made, Carl dying early, Daryl being a person, uh, Jadis being a person, Rick having his hand, 
what really, really solidifies this idea in my mind is that, or, or this uh, feeling at least, is that you know how you were you kept freaking out about Rick possibly losing his mm. hand just from a cut. It's yes. that. It's that idea. It's that there is something that's there. You can't erase what you already know. So it's so distracting that you're always thinking about it with every shot. So it's just so clever the way all these pieces are falling right now the way they are with Simon rebelling, basically having taken the saviors from underneath Negan while he's been out. And then all these little reminders that, that Negan's philosophy is only being upheld by Negan in, in so much that he's around to actually enforce it. Mm-hmm. And so if he's not, then what? And let's mm-hmm. be real here. How unsatisfying yeah. would you feel, you know, given the way the show is gone, mm-hmm. if they did what, what they did in the comic in the show? It would be kind of anticlimactic, wouldn't it? I think it would have been more satisfying the possibility of that if Carl was, was still alive. alive. Right, exactly. Because, because that relationship would have been really, really key to see. Now, with Carl not alive, most of us who read the comics and who deep dive into like, what does this mean or whatever, after they killed Carl, that really threw a wrench into everything because how do we wrap this up? How does this next storyline work? I don't necessarily know how you go about ending this in a way that is exciting, but logical and allows you to keep this character on board because he is deemed to be redeemable. Or keep it, keeping us watching too. Is That's a big right. thing. That's the big thing. And that's what really right. prompted me to get on the mic with you mm-hmm. because I'm kind of concerned. Because mm-hmm. if they are going to go the comics direction, you know, without Carl, would it be as satisfying? And it's just... I think that the only thing that I could see as, and I've said this before, if you give Carl's storyline to Daryl, because Carl, Oh, completely. Not just the just possible Because Daryl, right. Because remember, Daryl and Negan have had their own Oof. semblance <laughs> and interaction. Yeah, right? but it wasn't as good <laughs> as no. him with Carl. No, because he has a, spot, a soft spot for kids. But he definitely saw the value in Daryl. and He does? Back. Well, yeah. He Even like when he kept him as a prisoner and even when Daryl escaped and he went to Alexandria with Sasha and all that, he was like, you know, I've got to have my Daryl back. I mean, and that's what he does, though. You know, he looks at the potential that people have, whether it's Daryl, Sasha, Carl. He kind of looks to see where the potential is. And if there is potential and he does feel like, you know, this is a strong person, then, you know, he kind of entertains that. So maybe you get the whole storyline to Daryl and maybe that might be the best way to do it, especially because of the fact that, like I said, Daryl doesn't speak. And if you want to talk about people watching, I think you give Daryl more lines and people are going to watch because you know he's a fan favorite. People love Daryl. People will lose their mind if anything happens to Daryl. But Daryl barely does anything on the show we have a time crunch right now we have to basically get that relationship to bud within three episodes and and as it's going right now i just don't see it happening you've got that problem from both ends you have what you know you described is more of an issue of negan being kind of obsessed with daryl i mean of course as we learn it kind of makes sense he doesn't like to throw people away he doesn't like to kill people only in so much as they are so disruptive to the process that they have to be eliminated and if it is it's only one let's say Mm -hmm. to get other people to bend the knee but with daryl it's just 
it seems to me after everything that we've learned in this season that it's kind of more of an obsession it, or it was more of an obsession the way he kept him in the cage naked with the song and breaking him down right like the more obstinate an opponent is the more he'll try to work on them the more he'll try to use psychological torture to, just to get him to bend the knee and right. at the end of the day i don't think it worked and no say what you will i i don't think there's any amount of torture you could throw at Daryl to get him to comply. So on that end, you have a problem there. But then it's kind of like the whole redemption thing for Negan. How do you convincingly get Daryl to cop on to Negan, to appreciate Negan in the way that Carl did? That's even even harder. So it, it kind of goes back to the same question we had, or that I had at least, about how do we convincingly end the season where he's a, and, a and forgivable he- character or or to get it to go the way the comics went, right? And I think the show really did a disservice in kind of doing this whole Carl dying and having this vision of this utopia with Negan there. Because in the comic, Carl isn't necessarily a fan of Negan. Right, right. they, They have a relationship that becomes a more... Like mutual respect or something? Yeah, more of a mutual respect relationship. And Carl begrudgingly allows Negan to talk to him because, spoiler alert, Negan isn't killed in the comics. He's imprisoned. Right, right. For a number of years. But the relationship develops because Carl is the one that brings him his food, his water. So every time he visits his cell, they speak. Right. He's over the course of time. Negan becomes sort of like that's sketchy uncle that you don't necessarily trust completely, but you value their opinion on certain respects. Negan looks at Carl as more of a man, of a young man, whereas Rick would still look at Carl as his kid. Yeah. So it was a different kind of relationship and he would get a different sort of answer and feedback on how to do things for Negan versus his dad. It was a very complex and interesting relationship, which would have been really great to see on the show. So with him not there and and now it being Daryl, it's very hard because I think that if the show tries to make him redeemable it's setting itself up for a big face plant which is kind of why i thought of why i thought of because mm-hmm. it's the only way that things make sense given the way mm-hmm. things have shaken on the shaken out on the show mm-hmm. as much as i think you're on the right track by the way with the with the daryl thing replacing you think, carl you think they're gonna kill him off see that's the thing when I thought of this idea, I thought it was more of like a long-term thing. Negan has some sort of cancer, or he has some sort of illness of some kind. Maybe it's even a mental illness. Maybe it's not that Negan is exactly dying, but in all accounts, like he has some sort of ALS or... I mean, think about it. I think that would be even worse than dying, is that if people can't look up to him as, with any sort of respect like let's say he's losing his mind or let's say he's losing his faculties that would probably be even worse and that would be even more of a reason for him to have to hand off the saviors to rick and you know get them to kind of be a part of the community that's not in the way that's that goes along with his philosophy you know to take a chance on on rick and his people because they're so capable or they have been the most capable or most evasive of people that they've encountered. That's really the, the key point, is that what would get Negan to stop? And Slitting the only thing that I could think of is him not being able to carry out his vision. Because it, cause it relies on him exclusively. That's right. it. With Carl out of the way, it's literally, it's all on him. I think him not being able to carry out his vision is going to come just in brute force 
I honestly think it's just going to like, if the scene with Rick under the tree, the final encounter that we're basically thinking. Yeah. Yeah. The final encounter. I think that the saviors will be disabled because Negan will be disabled. And again, this is a fault of the writers. I I believe in them. I just want to state that out in the open. I believe in the writers. I believe they're doing something and they're doing something for a reason. That at the end of the day, it's going to be satisfying in a way that we're probably not going to see coming. But this is, that was just my spec. That was just my idea that, that of where they could go to kind of make people stick around and watch the show and not rage quit (laughs) the walking dead. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they better not like have any cliffhangers or anything because people people are already rage quitting over stuff. They did already. So it's like, don't give people any sort of reason. Like, I'm I'm here for the long haul. So it's like, I'll be here until the last episode and Judith is walking the wastelands. But I, <laughs> yeah, I hope I'm sticking around for that. We should start that hashtag Judith Resistance. Ju- Judith Resistance, yeah. yeah. It's very hard for me to wrap my head around how they're going to wrap up this Negan thing in a way that is satisfying and makes sense. I don't know what the deal is with Jadis. I don't know how she fits in this whole thing because everything that happened at the, at, at the hilltop, you know, this past week with the attack and, and, and all of that, that all did happen in the comics, but that was all between White and Negan. There was no Simon, you know, because Simon right. doesn't exist. Exactly. And that's exactly my point, too. If you make it clear that Simon was responsible for the junkyard massacre, which we know that that to be true, that Simon was responsible for the Oceanside massacre, which in my mind is he's responsible for, and maybe other atrocities or uh, war crimes, I guess. (laughs) Crimes against humanity. Yeah, that like we aren't even really aware of then maybe it would kind of go to further emphasize, hey, Negan just wants to do this. This dude has been going rogue and doing this stuff because he's a psychopath or whatever. But it's still a hard sell because Negan has concubines. I guess that's the thing. We are living in a time now where we do have the sort of anti-hero, Tony Soprano, Walter White, even John Hamm from Mad Men. These are all characters that weren't necessarily the best human beings. But you had people rooting for them. And I think oh, like that Michael Chiklis in The Shield, too. Yeah, that, that's my quintessential go to. There you go. And I think that that's what they would like to do with Negan. It's like they want you to root for him, even though you know that he is not. Right, he's not like a knight in shining armor. No, far from but it. But you know what it is, though? With a lot of these anti-heroes, the reason why we fall for them or the reason why we are interested in them is because they present certain characteristics that we can identify with. With Negan, that's a lot harder. I don't know if there's enough to make me feel like I identify with him in any way. Like with Vic Mm -hmm. Mackey, some of the things that we that he does on the shield we're like okay i get that he's mm-hmm. doing the, the things that he's doing to kind of maintain a sense of order that's not within the, the normal realm of following the rules. He mm-hmm. does it, but he does it for a reason. There are certain points where he does things for himself, no doubt. And that's the flaw, the flawed hero sort of thing. All in all, there's enough on the table for us to kind of say, well, at least the way he's trying to do things maintains a sense of order. Well, you could say that about Negan, right? But yeah. at the end of the day, there are some things that are just too much. And at the same time, there's not enough for us to identify with. Like, the closest we got to that was the Father Gabriel confession. And even mm-hmm. then, we only touched the surface. Yeah. 
with we his only wife. Yeah, right. it was very little. Right, and if we had gone into it even just a little bit more, I had been dying for a Negan backstory episode. Right, and I was really hoping that we would have gotten one in all these episodes, in these sixteen episodes. <laughs> Jeez, we had a Morgan backstory with here is not here. We had a backstory even with a governor. Abraham had his backstory. Seeing something like that for him would be really useful to just kind of understand who is this dude and where is he coming from and why is he like this? Which, by the way, do we get any even a sense of that in the comic? Yes. There is a dedicated issue just on his backstory. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. But maybe that's what they don't want to focus on. So we see his life before the apocalypse, basically. Just like a single issue kind of thing. I think it was a single issue, if I remember correctly. In the days leading to the apocalypse or the months leading up to the apocalypse, and it's just about him, his wife, her sickness. But something like that would go a long way. I think there's a danger in that. See, there's a chance of it going too far into humanizing him that he... Right becomes almost hokey like oh yeah him him yeah. the way he is right now we can contend with that and the fact that he's like unbeatable also mm-hmm. plays into his character right now but if you start to humanize him you mm-hmm. almost start to really s- not only sympathize but you kind of want him to win and at the end of the day i think everybody wants rick's people to win you know we're still stuck on right. team rick Gr- team grimes basically so right. if you try to humanize negan too much you may have a situation where people you don't want the Grimes crew to win as much, or we are mm-hmm. too conflicted at the, at the end of the day of how we want things to go down. Opinions are like assholes. Everybody has them. So Everybody has them. And too many opinions yeah. leads to people stopping to watch the show. Right. And we already have people that have quit the show. I mean, I speak to them all the time. Right. right. Try to get, us to get, try to get them to listen to our us. show. <laughs> Yeah, like, look, we'll give you some insight, maybe draw you back in, maybe. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, I it's one person that. at a time for I me. Mean, I mean, I've been doing it, but it's it's yeah. it's, a, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. It's, it's working. Tough. But let me but let me ask you, what in the people that you've spoken to, what was kind of like the the kickoff that basically for them made it made it like you know what I'm going to back away from the show right now. It really does come down to, I think, the formula that you were describing in previous episodes of... The trope. There's, yeah, there's a, there's a pattern that keeps happening. There's part of it. The other part of it is that it's, it's very heavy, very... Mm-hmm. To the point where it's a tough watch. I mean, mm-hmm. not, not mm-hmm. in the way that you care about, but if it's just... I think, people, I think people are okay with a manageable sort of like, okay, I can see them beating them. I think some people are not okay when it seems like they can't beat the, the foe when it's okay. too much. It's kind of the way I described the theory of what I think Kirkman really is doing <laughs> with the show uh-huh. is that he's trying to uh-huh. set up situations where I'm obviously torturing you. you know, I'm obviously throwing you into situations where you care about these people and they keep losing every single episode. <laughs> Why are you still watching the show? Stop watching the show. (laughs) So the game theory only works in as much as you occasionally give them something to hold on to. You give them a win. Exactly. And not like the jackpot, let's say, but if it's enough to Mm -hmm. kind of, okay, I can sink these into the machine. I'll eventually get that jackpot. You gave me like a sizable portion to keep going. Either the rewards along the way were too little or Mm -hmm. the losses were too much. And I think that's what really turned people off. And it's not their fault. They're working with some source material. And I think they're trying to reconfigure it in a way that makes it more, like you said, adaptable for TV. It's all game theory. (laughs) 
<laughs> at the end of yeah. the day. Yeah. I was listening to another podcast and they were complaining about the battle at the hilltop because they were like, well, when are we going to get to see battles? We haven't seen any battles. And I was like, well, no, we've seen battles. The thing is that they've dragged this war out so long that people kind of forget. You express frustration too, like with Jesus, let's say, not seeing as, as much fight scenes. Biggest disappointment of this series Jesus in the comic has an epic confrontation with Negan, but I can't picture that on the show. Oh, yeah, we're running out of time. Jesus and Negan have barely crossed paths. Their interactions are little to none. So I have a hard time imagining them having this epic confrontation. Plus, in the comic, Jesus is a much more formidable figure. And to me, the Jesus on the show is an afterthought. He's like a gimmick. But that's about it. (laughs) He's a one-trick pony. Yeah, he's just sort of there, and he doesn't really offer much to the story. Yeah, I think it's the the difficulty in having so many characters on the show. It's the Game of Thrones effect. I was going to say, it's it's very Game of Thrones. Although I hear that Game of Thrones does a pretty good job of balancing all these different stories. I don't know, because I don't really watch Game of Thrones. Well, I mean, when you kill off so many people, right? So... Sure. <laughs> Eventually, yeah, you sure. wind up with a few <laughs> that you can follow. <laughs> that is true. That is definitely true. That's an easy way to solve uh, that problem. A lot of people have suggested, hey, show, you need to clean house, especially for characters who they felt their development has been non-existent. And you know, it brings up the all-important question of, and I really don't want to ask this, but I do mm-hmm. I have to, because I think this is where we're going to end off. As much as Norman Reedus says it's going to be a satisfying end to this, to this whole I don't Uh know if he meant the arc, but I think he meant the season. So Uh do you think they're going to extend this arc over into next season? Do you think it's possible that they may just belay the satisfaction? I sincerely hope not. I really don't either. Yeah. I really hope not. If they do that, I will throw something at my screen. I don't see any purpose in extending it out. I don't even know if it's about purpose, right? What purpose would it serve to extend it out even further? Because basically that means that you've spent more than two seasons just on this story arc. And that's insane. You know, at a certain point that you have to just kind of resolve it and move forward. If we get to episode 16 and we're still on this and the final battle between Rick and Negan happens in the last 15 minutes, I'm going to be very pissed. Like, I'm going to be looking at my watch and looking at my phone. And if I see that we're down to like 20, 15 minutes, I'm going to get mighty salty. Podcast no. over. We're I, done. No, I, um, I will not be done. <laughs> I will be here to the end. Like we'll I be said. here to pick up the pieces, right? I'll be here to pick up the pieces. Exactly. I just really don't want them to extend it out any further than this season. And if you're going to do the time jump and it can't be this season then for sure, kick off season nine, showing these aqueducts built and the mill grains and all that stuff. We're in the future. Maggie's had the baby. Just, you know, let's move on because right now it's just very downtrodden and we're just, it's it's wartime and, and war isn't fun. And that's why I called you and that's why I wanted to do this update episode because I can't even think about the future until, until this, this whole situation is resolved. You. Somehow, in a way. And that's why I'm so anxious for them to resolve this because 
we can't move forward until this is resolved. And I'm at my wit's end trying to figure out how are you guys going to resolve this thing? I think that this week's episode will give us more insight when we see what this interaction between Jadis and Megan ends up being. Which is what the uh, next episode's about. Yeah. Roughly yeah. all around. Right. Is Jadis going to believe him when he says that he didn't have anything to do with it? What does he discover when he's there? These are things that I'm interested in that I want to know. And I think that it'll give us a lot clearer insight because those last couple of episodes are around the corner. Yeah. There's not too many left, right? There's not too many left. So I think people are going to be really angry if this goes into next season. My fear is that this whole heaps centered Uh episode Mm -hmm. is going to do really nothing but reveal more of the Uh lost effect. If you've ever watched lost, it's like mm. they keep opening more mysteries than they do solve yeah. them. Yeah, I see. What you're so saying. I feel like we're going to just open up another one. And oh, that's, that's, that will be unacceptable. Yeah, that would be unacceptable. Look, yeah, it would make for a more satisfying finish, but when they figure it out, but you got to be careful. Yeah, I will be texting you. If some kind of crazy <laughs> comes up, I'm going to say unacceptable. Yeah. <laughs> unacceptable in all caps. Unacceptable. Exactly. That's how I envision it. <laughs> in all caps it was all a dream in all caps that's how oh my i think there was a curse word in there i sent that over to you i was like it was a fucking dream i was being being generous but yeah oh yeah Uh, i i just uh i i I have very visceral reactions as i'm watching hey y'all more power to you i that's that's why we're here we're here because there's an underlying concern and i I'm just throwing my hat in the ring and how they how they might or how they will resolve it. I don't know. Yeah. I you know mean, that's the only way I could think of that makes sense for all parties involved. If we're to presume that that bleary eyed Rick is the end result of the confrontation with Negan, we don't see Negan. No. And I've kind of carved that up to him just finally being able to grieve. But there is right. the blood. I there guess. is the blood. You don't see Negan. There is the whole, hey, you should have seen the other guy. Like, I mean, <laughs> but he was not there. <laughs> At this point, we can't assume that what happens in the comics is going to happen in the show. That's out the window. Yeah. I just, in my gut, though, I don't feel that Negan's going to be killed off. But I don't know how you're going to bring this character into the fold in a way that's convincing. Right. Exactly. That's where I, I'm struggling, which is why I'm very eager to see Sunday's episode, because I am hoping that more will be discovered and more will be shared and maybe we'll, we'll start seeing some of these pieces come together. I think now we're going to start having those morose episodes. I think yes. this one's going to be a stinker in my mind. Really? And then they're going to have to go high speed to. on the last two episodes. Because there's, there's nothing else left. So yeah. they have to. I'm also going to check the episode lengths on both of those episodes just to see yes. where we're at because I'm going to see how much they're going to squeeze into the last few episodes. Yeah, exactly. Because it just seems so difficult to imagine them squeezing yeah. all that information in like an hour. Yeah, exactly. It can't be. It has to be an extended episode, I would think. At least the you last know? one. Who knows? At least, Yeah, exactly. At least the last one. By the way, did you hear about this whole survival Sunday thing? Yeah, we, we posted right? about it, didn't we? <laughs> Yes, we did. I am very intrigued by it. The only thing is, I'm, I was so tempted to look up participating theaters in my area. However, knowing how I can't hang, it just makes me think, you know what, that's probably not the best idea for somebody like me, especially considering it's going to be on a Sunday night. In theory, it sounds great. Comfy movie theater, popcorn, watching Walking Dead. 
finish off and go right into fear. Sounds great. But God, I love being in pajamas in my house. Yeah, I guess so. I might do it though. Uh, And I may bring a couple people with me. If I do it, I can definitely report on the experience. I'm sure there's gonna be a lot more energy in that crowd. Yeah. Than on my couch alone eating ice cream. I know. I know. I know. That's true. I'm gonna look into it. You've inspired me. I'll look. Yeah, we'll see. Let's see. Let's see see what shakes loose in those cabooses. Mm -hmm. And with that, I think we'll call this update a wrap and we'll see you on episode 14. 14. Happy Passover. Mm, And happy Easter to y'all. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.